Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Watching Ben Stiller watch Rafael Nadal lose in Rafael Nadal's family section mm-hmm. was everything I needed. I don't even know why I don't like I, I do know why I don't like him. And it's not necessarily his fault. But, like, he's got to do something about this hair. It's a whole Trey Young situation, right? Like, it's just, like, it's not good. It's not horrendous. But there's a problem here that could be fixed. Look, man, I'm out here representing liquid collagen okay i take liquid collagen every day from my joints it's had a great effect on my hair it makes it fuller it's a great thing right but you can't go out there with all that money i'm broke and i'm and i'm doing this you can't have all that money and and just and and look like homer simpson up top rafael nadal's hair has a lisp (laughs) his hair just sounds like an interview with drew barrymore like Hello and welcome to a special edition of Take Line. It is post-Labor Day, but the unions are still working. We're still striking. We're striking hard for you this week. I am Jamel Johnson filling in for the lovely Jason Concepcion, who he's got court today. Uh, Prayers to him. And his family. Just good, just good luck, man. Just good luck to Jason. Good luck. Hope you beat the case. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, that is the lovely voice of Zach Harper of the Athletic. You hear him. We're here. How you doing, Zach? Oh man, I'm still getting. I'm still getting over a wedding this past weekend where uh, I'm. I'm pretty sure at one point my blood was sixty percent bourbon. I like it is. It was <laughs> man. How does that feel when it's coursing through your veins? Is it like a sweet burn? At the time, it felt great. At the time, it, you know, feet were moving. I was in a good mood. I'm wanting to take pictures. I'm jumping into videos I shouldn't be jumping into. Like, you know, I, you know, I was feeling great at the time, and then I was hung over for 24 straight hours. I think, and that's that's the part they they don't tell you about that. Yeah, you know? we're gonna tell you a little bit more about that in the show this week. We got uh, Eric Walden of the Salt Lake City Tribune to talk about some NBA basketball, and Dan Hardigan of a a show called, let me see if I can read this right, Sorry We Love Football? Never heard of it. Uh, Anyway, so (laughs) some news happened this week. Uh, New York City finally got a release date for the next JD and the Straight Shot album. Yeah. Can't wait to hear. I think he's going to come with some Caribbean vibes on this next one. I do love the idea of him just going, what did Drake just do? I'll beat it. I'm doubling down. Yeah. I'm more house. Oh, and uh, Donovan Mitchell got traded uh, to the Cavs. That was a surprise, man. That was a legit, as someone who, you know, I'm not a newsbreaker, but I hear some things. Like, I, I knew the Cavs had been interested, but from everything I had heard, I bought into the propaganda of just, it's the Knicks, and then it's everybody else with these offers. Do you really think, okay, New York City is the city that invented credit card scams. <laughs> They sure did. Did they really believe that they were going to get Donovan Mitchell? 
from everything I heard, like, yes, they thought that their, their trade package was, was going to trump everything. And, and here's the thing, like, we, we always get caught up in this stuff of, like, this team has no leverage. Like, Donovan Mitchell wants to get out of there. Salt Lake City has no leverage. Uh, Jazz have no leverage. Like, the, the, you know, the Zion National Park has no leverage. Like, the, the, there's, <laughs> nothing, there's nothing, nothing in the state of Utah that's going to have any leverage in this situation. We're canceling the show leverage. We, yeah, nobody's exactly. watching leverage. No one's watching leverage. It doesn't exist. And then what people don't understand is, like, it literally just takes one other team saying, hey, I'll make a trade with you. And then all of a sudden, the team has leverage. Like, once you have a second trade partner, you have leverage. And the Knicks seem to forget that. And, Jamel, like, I don't know how into this you are, but he's a good player. But the idea that Quentin Grimes would be the, the breaking point in any trade is astonishing to me. And, again, I want to say I think he's a really nice young player. But that shouldn't be the, that shouldn't be the backbreaker in anything. I 100% agree. Uh, you forget this is Wizards fan number one. <laughs> we held on to Otto Porter for so long, so long, so long. Yeah. Like some people still subscribe to the uh, Beanie Baby way of thinking. Sure. Oh, don't don't re- get rid of your Beanie Babies. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be worth something. No, they're literally called Beanie Babies, man. Flip them shits as soon as you can. Yeah, you have to. And I'm looking at you, Taylor Horton Tucker. Hey. How the hell? I just don't even understand how the Lakers held on to him as long as they did. It's like they had a rare coin and and then just decided, like, what if I use, you know, those smash pennies you can get at any, like, any tourist attraction? They would just have, like, the giant ball of yarn, the biggest ball of yarn in the world. They're like, well, we have this rare coin, but, you know, love the smash penny right now. Like, Patrick Beverly is the smash penny. Like that's what you like. It it can it can still be effective, right? You can cut some with it. Like you like you can do some things with it, but that like that's what it is. It's a smash penny. If you need to cut fruit with it, you can. It'll happen. You know that trick that they tell you to do with your car key or your house key, where you like hold it between your knuckles in case you think someone's like following you. And they're gonna try to jump you. You can do that with the, like you'll cut into your own hand, but you can still cut somebody with that thing. But Taylor Horton Tucker was an alleged rare coin that they just smashed into Patrick Beverly. Uh, this, I, I shouldn't even be telling our listeners, but uh, if you go to the Clippers fan store, they have a Patrick, they have a slew of Patrick Beverly merch. They sure do. On clearance right now. Yeah. As soon as this show is over, I'm mm-hmm. buying myself a 2X Mr. 94 Feet shirt. It just says Mr. 94 Feet on it, and I will be wearing it to the next formal I get invited to. Mm-hmm. Speaking of formal gatherings, you were at a uh, beautiful uh, union this weekend. Oh, it was. Our guy, Ian Carmel. Uh, peace to the general. See you soon. Congratulations on the nuptials. How was the wedding? It was great. It was great. The lovely Dana Schwartz looked amazing. The lovely Ian Carmel looked amazing. Their vows were spectacular. I mean, she's a professional. She's a number one bestselling author, and he's a professional comedian, a head writer for a major TV show. Like, you know, they they, they were going to be good vows. Uh, but I'll just tell you this: I don't, I don't even know. If this, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this. He started off his vows with facts about the movie Shrek and how well it did and how well it was received because their first time on a podcast together, they argued that she said Shrek is not a good movie. And so this has been a long going beef in their everlasting love. And so he literally started out with Shrek made $267 million. 
as an 88% score on Rotten Tomatoes, 92% audience or whatever those numbers. Like, that's what he started out with. And it, and that was, I'll even say that was the low point of the evening. That's how great this whole wedding was. And My uh, goodness, we had, you know, there was there was a, a pretty good playlist going on. There was, you know, uh, he had a sword to cut the cake. He had uh, a sword made to cut the cake. It was a open bar, shit. you know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, quick one last thing about the wedding. Uh, funniest family member you encountered? Oh, um, if at all, maybe you didn't. It, I mean, it, look, the fams get tight, but I figure, you know, no, this, this is, is no. a podcast union. Everybody's moving around. It's pretty loose. Both families did great speeches, absolutely great speeches. But it is Ivan Carmel, Ian's dad, who just he took a he took a he, he sent a stray Shane Torres his way at one point uh, of just like saying, I can't believe he's wearing a tie. Just it was out of context, like it was unnecessary, but it, it leveled the entire crowd. And Shane's just sitting there just going, oh, great. Here I go. Like, you know, just it yeah. was it was the perfect <laughs> shot. At at someone for no reason, and so yeah, Ivan Carmel gets the 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 head the head spot over. Uh, I would say the the Schwartz siblings, they would be second for me. Okay, hey, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Can't wait to see him uh, in the rematch. <laughs> yes, the, the the rubber match after that too, because it's you know it's gonna be one one. Speaking of matches. I'm see how I'm getting I get louder when it's yeah, segue time. I love the segue. The segue volume is great. Right? Uh 142nd US Open is taking place right now. Shout out to everybody in Queens, uh Cool G Rap, uh the Lemon Ice King of Corona, mm-hmm. uh, all my folks. <laughs> anyway, did you watch Serena's last match? I saw Serena's last two matches cuz I I got to be honest, I even though I, I do cover, you know, some professionals, I had no idea what was going on the first few days. No idea. All sure. of a sudden, they're like, oh, Serena's in the second match. Second match? What are you talking about? Second match of her, of the U.S. Open. And so um, I saw her. What a champion. Uh, it, it, she intimidates me in a way that I can't fully explain. Like, it, it, it elicits just, like, these feelings of absolute mediocrity in me where I'm just like, I'll never be good at anything. Never like that, that the, the way she's hanging on to her greatness. Now you're never going to reach that. It doesn't matter. She's so good. And she's like, and then she's upset after the match. She's like, Oh man, I should have started training sooner. It's like, dog, you're 40. <laughs> yeah. You're 40. I'm 40. Like I, uh, it's okay. I hurt. I hurt my back a couple weeks ago. No, this is not a lie. It's not a joke. I was picking up hoodies that were on the ground. I had three hoodies that just fell on the ground. I bent over to pick them up, and I hurt my back. Hoodies get heavy, man. And I didn't, I didn't lift with my knees, you know. Like yeah, it just, I, it was, was it was around. all bad. Yeah, it was all bad. But and she's out here. Oh, I only made it to the third round of the of the one hundred and forty second U.S. Open. Which who's counting? They could have said any number, right? <laughs> as long as they're like the four hundredth U.S. Open, we would have been like maybe we turn we we turn ahead and raise an eyebrow there. One forty two sounds made up to me. There's not 142 of anything. Uh, well, jelly beans in in a jar. That's a great. You know what? <laughs> I have no. That re- might be no the only thing. That. Yeah, that I think you're right. And, um, <laughs> so I, man, uh, uh, congratulations to uh, Isla Tomjanovic who beat her in mm-hmm. the match. Uh, we wish you the best and um, go. G- good luck with your tennising. Uh, I think Serena had a shot. I think she. So, you know, like. The champion's mentality mm-hmm. kind of bitter 
in the middle of the match. There was the second set. They had like an eight-point tie break where it's like, just let her take that point and then yeah. take the ball back and serve for the win. But she was just like, nah, fuck that. This is my court. That's how you become the greatest, right? That it's is just true. like that mentality. It's like, yeah, bitter that time. But how many times has she just been, nah, fuck this. Like, yeah, no actually, one's getting anything off me. Like, It did not bite her 23 other times. 23 yeah. Grand Slam <laughs> titles, which is insane, which is millions of dollars. Also, uh, you got to note, in women's sports, tennis is the most money you can make. Mm-hmm. The nine of the, actually, excuse me, eight of the top ten uh, most uh, papered up female athletes do play tennis. Serena is right there at the top of the list mm-hmm. with Naomi Osaka, which I think some of her money is NFTs. So I don't know if. Yeah, it's probably a lot of Bitcoin in there, right? She's young. Like, it's it, it probably, she was probably number one by a wide margin before. And now this this past year, it's kind of it's kind of dipped a little bit. But shout out to shout out to Serena. Shout out to you know if you're still grifting off NFTs, respect. Hey man, look, I hope your your apes are more bored than ever. <laughs> so on the men's side, uh, the U.S. the top U.S. men's player left is from the DMV area. Shouts out to Hyattsville, the that? Masters Tuxedo in Forestville. I used to get money over there. I got my guy Francis Tiafo. Uh, he's 24, and he beat Rafael Nadal yesterday in front of Ben Stiller. In various other celebs. Ben Stiller loves it, man. Watching Ben Stiller watch Rafael Nadal lose in Rafael Nadal's family section mm-hmm. was everything I needed. It is, there, is a, there is a joy to... I don't even know why I don't like... I, I, I do know why I don't like him, and it's not necessarily his fault, but, like, he's got to do something about this hair. It's a whole Trey Young situation, right? Like, it's just, like, it's not good... It's not horrendous, but there's a problem here that could be fixed. Look, man, I'm out here representing liquid collagen, okay? I take liquid collagen every day from my joints. It's had a great effect on my hair. It makes it fuller. It's a great thing, right? But you can't go out there with all that money. I'm broke, and I'm, and I'm doing this. You can't have all that money and and just and and look like Homer Simpson up top. Like it doesn't work that way, Jamal. He's like you so can't do focused. that. He's so focused on winning. There's no time. There's yeah, no but time to style it. He lost in front of Ben Stiller. He <laughs> lost in front of a a, a, a silver fox who's just way too ripped for his age. Like I like I don't know. I don't like that. I don't like how in shape Ben Stiller is. And then Rafael Nadal's got the weird thing where that one arm's just way bigger than the other. Yeah, I don't like it. He's Rafael Nadal's hair has a lisp. <laughs> His hair just sounds like an interview with Drew Barrymore. Like, yes. <laughs> Up next, from the Salt Lake City Tribune, Eric Walden. Crooked Media's weekly podcast, Love It or Leave It, is an insanely funny, wildly popular, critically beloved podcast hosted by none other than comedian John Lovett. Each week, Lovett is joined by comedians, journalists, activists, elected officials, and you guessed it, actors, to break down the latest news with humor and mock the endless frustrations and absurdities of our political nightmare factory. Past guests include Phoebe Robinson, BJ Novak, Amy Klobuchar, Cal Penn, and more. As a former Obama speechwriter, comedy writer, and co-host of Pod Save America, John brings a unique combination of humor and analysis to help you understand and laugh at the news. Plus, there are games, impressions, rants, 
shouting at cable news clips, tangents on local fast food options, and everyone's favorite nuanced discussion. Catch up on the highs and lows of the week's news and laugh along while doing it. New episodes of Love It or Leave It drop every Saturday morning. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you checked on your friends who are Knicks fans recently because the savior that was coming to the garden is no longer coming to the garden except, I guess, a couple times a year to to be an enemy for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But after the Knicks refused, and I mean flat-out refused, to include Quentin Grimes into any deal for Donovan Mitchell, the Jazz turned around and said, you know what, we'll send him to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Everyone thought they were out of the spider sweepstakes turns out they got it they won they had the winning ticket it was Lowry marketing it was Ochai Obaji it was Colin Sexton on a sign and trade it was three first round picks unprotected more than what the Knicks would give up so here to help us react to this incredibly surprising trade Eric Walden of the Salt Lake City Tribune Eric welcome to take line Jason Concepcion a Knicks fan curiously not here this week mm. as we are talking about this trade and so we're on some substitute teacher behavior right now I can't imagine why he would skip this one it's curious you know I just saw him at a wedding he seemed like he was ready to work and now all of a sudden Eric he's just gone because the jazz said no thank you and I can only imagine that you didn't bring in your uh, your athletic cohort Tony Jones because you want to keep this like fairly PG rated for the masses yeah I just didn't want to talk about the Mets you know like he was just going to turn into a conversation about the Mets which by the way that leading the standings over my Atlanta Braves also dwindling quite a bit but oh Braves fan congratulations oh boy yeah absolutely but yeah, Eric, um, I guess like how surprised were you that a deal got done when it did? I was surprised that it was the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? Like I'd heard a few months ago that the Jazz had some level of interest in Colin Sexton. But, you know, like, OK, so he's a guy who's reached restricted free agency in Cleveland. Clearly, there was not, you know, agreement between those two sides on on a long term deal. And even knowing that, it still didn't really, you know, pop in my head that like Cleveland was a legit option for this to happen because we just kept going back to the Knicks. We kept going back to their years long interest in him, right? Like this was not a relatively new thing. We kept going back to the fact that they had a bunch of young players who the Jazz were interested in. They had all their own future picks. They had some other teams' future picks. Like, if the New York Knicks wanted to get this done, there was no reason that they shouldn't have been able to. So when the news pops up from Woj and Shams and, and Chris Haynes that, you know, with the deal to with the details of this, it's like, 
wow, you know, it, it did seem a little bit out of left field. It wasn't out of left field that the Jazz traded Donovan Mitchell. That was, that was you know, a foregone conclusion that that was going to happen. It was a matter of the timing. They clearly wanted to get the deal done before training camp. They didn't want to create a circus around, you know, first-time head coach Will Hardy going into his first training camp. But, you know, Danny Ainge and, and Justin Zanuck were also willing to wait for, you know, the price they wanted. And, um, man, once that R.J. Barrett thing happened, it, this thing with Cleveland got hammered out pretty fast. So the Jazz have finally blown it up, which I know a lot of uh, NBA fans have been waiting for this to happen for years. Years and years and years and years. And here we are. <laughs> uh, this is the brand new Jazz. This ain't your nephew's Jazz. Completely different look. We've seen Danny Ainge pull this a couple times in his GM career. What do the new Jazz look like going forward? Is it a tankathon? Is it a Toyota tankathon right away? Are they going to try to win some games next year? I mean, I don't understand why they would try to win some games, right? Like, I mean, if you're in a position where you're getting rid of Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and you're saying, all right, we had you know, an arguably really good team that we didn't ever believe was maybe just going to get to that great level. And you decide, okay, you know, we're stuck in terms of our future cap situation. Uh, We don't have a ton of our own future draft assets uh, because they've had to expend a few getting rid of bad contracts that they wound up regretting. Derek Favors, Tony Bradley, Ed Davis, et cetera. The list goes on. Uh, Once you reach that point and you decide, all right, Rudy's out of here. Donovan's out of here. We'll probably see Boyan Bogdanovich be out of here. Jordan Clarkson be out of here. Maybe Mike Conley be out of here. At that point, like, and Tony Jones and I have argued about this, right? Because he's under the impression that the Jazz's plan is to be pretty bad, but not horrific. Because it's his understanding they don't want to be horrific because they feel that it sets a bad culture. It sets a bad precedent to just outright lose all those games. I'm of the opinion you're taking flyers on a bunch of guys who like of everyone they got back, the oldest players are Larry Markinen and Malik Beasley who are 25 years old, right? Then you get a bunch of guys who are 23, 22, 21. You've got a couple rookies uh, coming in from the 2022 draft. You've got 13 picks now, 13 first round picks between now and 2029, like you have no idea who's going to be on this team, you know, two years down the line. So I don't think it makes any sense to say, well, we're worried about, you know, instilling a losing culture among the guys who will be here down the road. For me, like go all in, you know, be as bad as you can get, yeah. you know, set yourself up to get Victor Wembanyama or, or one of the guys in the top three, you know, like, if you're going to if you're going to be bad, like just go all in and be very bad. Well, yeah, I'm curious because the jazz organization has often kind of championed that like we don't just go out and tank. Like we're always trying to put a good product on the floor and everything. And I and I know that was previous team ownership. And so maybe maybe Ryan Smith like kind of feels a different way about this. But what do you think like the fan base's capacity is for enduring losing years? Because that isn't a very easy sell on a on a team where you're like hey please come buy season tickets right get in for one of these draft picks going to turn into something so you want to get in now with these season tickets so that when this draft pick hits whoever that may be you could resell these things on whatever ticket app we're we're sponsored by it's a good question right because i think 
you know, it, it was hard enough for some fans to come to terms with the idea of, of a teardown and rebuild to begin with. Because, you know, in their mind, like, it's not exactly a secret that Salt Lake City is not a destination attraction for top-level NBA free agents, right? You, you can go back to the, you know, in more recently, the, the Golden State nightlife situation, right? And and then if you want to go way back, you've got, you know, the Derek Harper and Ronnie Cycley situations from, from way back in the day. So a lot of fans here are looking at this and saying, we had two three-time All-Stars, one of whom is 30, the other of whom is about to turn 26. They're both under team control for at least three more years apiece. Why are we taking that situation, which has been a good one. You know, this team has made six consecutive playoffs, had the best record in the NBA, not this most recent season, but the one before that, um, you know, and they don't understand it. You know, they're saying we had a good thing going here and they don't understand the rationale of there wasn't really a pathway to take that team to the next level. And they're saying, well, you know, what's the big deal? Other people fully get that. They understand from a logical standpoint why the front office is making these moves, why they're doing what they're doing, hoping that by taking, you know, a few steps back, they can eventually take more steps forward. That said, I don't think anyone is prepared for the idea of like this turning into a situation similar to the process in Philadelphia, for instance, right? Like, I think it's everyone's hope that it's like, well, hey, you know, or, or whatever the hell the Thunder are doing, right? Where they're just like, hey, every February we shut down our good players and like we throw out 18 year olds. I think the fans here are thinking, okay, we'll get Victor Wembanyama, we'll get another really good pick, we'll have a bunch of available cap space, we can convince some guys to come here. And I think the general hope is like within three years that this is a playoff team again. Is that impossible? No, but. Is it likely necessarily? I also don't know if we can say that. You know, you you look at these other teams, you know, with the Sixers took longer than three years. The Thunder obviously taking longer than three years. And who knows, you know, maybe if they land Victor Wembanyama, maybe he is just like that transcendent immediately that he can elevate, you know, a bad team to being something better. And then they can go out and expand all that other draft capital they've acquired and and bring in, some guys around him and who knows, you know, maybe theoretically they can be uh, good again that quickly, but just the history seems to say that's not likely. And, and I do wonder if, you know, three years down the road, if the jazz are still bad and still in the lottery. Yeah. How, how do the fans react to that? Cause they're used to winning. How does that work? Right. Like how does that sell? I also think it might be disorienting to the fans if they see a French big man who knows how to dribble a basketball. Like, I just, I don't know if they can handle that. Ouch. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's a fair statement. Okay. Uh, well, let me just ask about who you got. Another guy, Colin Sexton. Seems to be a forgotten man in the NBA lore, but I mean, he's pretty young. He was averaging 20 plus in limited games last year. How much faith do you have in the team building around him? I guess the question is, is he a guy to be built around right like you know to your point yeah yeah you know um obviously he had the meniscus injury this past season only played 11 games but the season before that uh i want to say 24 points per game around like 37 38 percent from the three-point line so like in theory some promising stats there are a lot of people who've been favorably comparing his production in year three to what donovan mitchell did and saying hey you know it's not that far off these guys are pretty similar 
then when you kind of hear the critiques of Colin Sexton's game and the reason why the Cavaliers were not necessarily enamored of making him the long-term backcourt partner of Darius Garland, you know, the fact that he tends to get kind of single-minded when he gets the ball. He's not necessarily looking to pass to his teammates all that often. The fact that some of his shot selection is is dubious. The fact that he's not been a quality defender. I mean, I guess from that perspective, like we're seeing increasing similarities to Donovan Mitchell in some respects, but it's a worthy gamble, right? If you're going to trade Donovan Mitchell, like you're getting a guy who has been more productive than say RJ Barrett to this point, who's going to be cheaper, far cheaper now than RJ Barrett will be over the next four years. So it's a worthwhile gamble, right? You're set to be bad. Take a look, see what you can do with this guy, see what Will Hardy and Alex Jensen and, you know, the, the coaching staff here in Salt Lake City can do to develop his game. You know, this is an organization that's been known for developing players, right? Like, it's, it's easy to think of Donovan Mitchell as a star now, right? But he was a guy who was taken 13th overall, who was traded for Trey Lyles on draft night, right? Like, Rudy Gobert. Three time, three time defensive player of the year, three time all star, four time all NBA. He was taken 27th overall, right? Like the Denver Nuggets basically sold him for a few million dollars. And this was a guy who spent his first season getting chewed out for his play in the G League, <laughs> right? For, for oh, not doing the things they wanted. So it's an organization that has a history of developing guys, you know, whether it's those extreme cases, whether it's guys like uh, Joe Ingalls, Royce O'Neill to lesser degrees. You know, the question will be, how does this new kind of regime fit that pattern, fit that pathway? Because obviously Will Hardy is not the same as as Quinn Snyder, but he did retain a few of his coaches who kind of have that reputation. So, you know, I like the gamble. And if Colin Sexton winds up being able to kind of shed some of those bad habits and, and become a more complete player, it was a great gamble to get him in, in exchange for Donovan. And if not, He'll be uh, two years down the road. The detritus shipped elsewhere for uh, more assets. <laughs> Speaking of Donovan, I've never seen an NBA player get blown by consistently on just straight dribbles, right? Just like a, not like like Jalen Brunson wasn't putting moves on him. It was just dribble step, and he's by him. And I wonder, like, how much of how much of Donovan Mitchell's kind of regression last year, or maybe plateauing, is a better way. Was that just like this team doesn't like each other anymore? There's more there. Did he just get like complacent? Like I'm the big star here. I don't really need to do all this stuff. Or is there is there like another level that you can see unlocking in Cleveland where it's the excitement of like, I don't know, like two, three years ago with Donovan where everyone thought like this kid's like, you know, on the ascension again, like you said, multiple time all-star, like he he's got a lot of like good stats in his way. He also has some bad stats in his way. Rudy got mad at him for never passing to him, even though Rudy can't catch anything. Um, so like outside, outside of that, like I wonder if you see Donovan in a new environment, like take his game to another level immediately, or if that has to be kind of coached out of him. That's going to be an interesting thing to see what happens in that regard in Cleveland, because Donovan, as he so frequently pointed out in Utah during his time here, he was drafted not as an offensive superstar, but, you know, as a, as a guy with some offense who was thought to have, you know, defensive impact, right? Like his draft comp was Avery Bradley, right? And so he's told the story a million times 
during his time here in Salt Lake City, during his years here, that he was brought in to be a defender. He he intended to make his his impact on that end. Then what happened? <laughs> And it came as a shock that he was as good offensively as he was. I think they're also shocked he's as bad defensively as he is. Like it's, <laughs> well, right. And, and so that's the thing. Every single year, he'd come into training camp and he'd say, this is the year where I'm going to take that step up defensively, right? Like, did the same thing last year. And at the start of the season, you could see him making a little more effort on that end. But then, you know... It's a lot of work, man. Uh, I get it. I don't play defense anymore. I haven't played defense in 10 years. Like We could politely say that it went yeah. by the wayside. I think the nicest way I could put it is he was the worst defender I've ever seen during the playoffs. Like, that's like he was that bad. <laughs> and that's the thing, right? So it's like it, it was a known thing here in Utah that, like, he put in so much work on the offensive end that he basically just, you know, was not doing a ton on the de- on the defensive side. And – during the regular season, you can get away with that to a degree. Although, you know, the sheer number of losses that the Jazz had this last season in which they were up double digits and, and wound up blowing the lead and losing the game, I think you can wind up going back and saying, you know, hey, maybe if Donovan Mitchell, like, puts in 5 to 10% more effort on the defensive side, they probably win some of those games. But then, yeah, you get to that playoff series against Dallas and all those shortcomings got put on display to a national audience, right? And and I think the fact that, like, not a lot of people were making it a point to watch jazz games on, you know, League Pass or whatever before that, and now all of a sudden are, like, witnessing this firsthand, like, the shock was palpable, right? Like, there were people who were like, oh, my God, like, I did not realize Donovan Mitchell was that bad defensively. So I guess all of that is a long way of saying – he talks a good game about wanting to play defense and wanting to make an impact there. We'll see if, you know, he's also spoken throughout the years about wanting to bring a championship to the organization he plays for. So maybe JB Bickerstaff is the guy who gets through to him. If you're really serious about that, like it's time to just quit talking about playing defense and like actually follow through. Okay, so the Cavs' plan is to just have two guards be six one. And... <laughs> yeah, but one of them used to be a defender, you know. When it... <laughs> Let me ask y'all this straight up: Does this trade make the Cavs better than the Bulls? Forget the Bucks, the Chicago Bulls. I feel like it's still close. I think the Chicago might still have a little edge on them. Still, I think I would pick Cleveland, right? Like. You got Evan Mobley, you got Jared Allen, two guys who can play kind of a pseudo Rudy Gobert role in like kind of erasing the sins of an undersized backcourt, which he had a lot of experience doing here in Utah with, you know, six one Donovan Mitchell and six foot Mike Conley his last few years. I like their overall talent better. I feel like, you know, the the Cavs were a decently solid defensive team. I think Evan Mobley is just gonna get better. I feel like the thing they were lacking was, you know, a consistent go-to guy on the offensive end. Like, I like Darius Garland. Donovan Mitchell likes Darius Garland. But was he a guy who you could count on to get you those tough buckets in a playoff situation? Before this Dallas series, Donovan Mitchell was definitely that, right? Like, he's a guy who these last few seasons has averaged 25 a game in the regular season. And he's had some absolutely epic playoff performances where – Generally, he's he's taken it to the next level. And I think now 
being surrounded by the cast that he is in Cleveland, like if their perimeter defense can hold up at all, if Isaac Okoro can be decent at all, like I just feel like they've got more pieces than the Bulls do. Yeah. Also, one of those teams has Nikola Vucevic as a key member, and I just I've never I've just never understood it. I've just it's no disrespect to Zach Levine and Demar Derozan, who I love, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Vucci Main isn't the guy that's gonna, you know, go <laughs> go out there and, and take you to the next level. I'm a Vooch truther, baby. I once got in trouble with uh, the Orlando Magic for during an All Star game saying, "Wow, this is 23 of the greatest players in the world," and Nikola Vucevic, and they did not like that. They uh, yeah. <laughs> the fans didn't like that. The team didn't like that. You get letters from the the GM of the Lakeland Magic. I heard that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I heard some things there. Eric, I, I've always wanted to do this of, you know, the the move where you like flick a lit cigarette into like a pool of gasoline and walk away as an explosion happens. So I want to ask you about a local story uh, before we get you out of here. Uh, is there racism in the state of Utah? Mm. Because there is a situation with a Duke <laughs> volleyball player and some back and forth of whether this person was called a, a racial slur during a volleyball match at, at BYU. And so... Not uh, we don't have to get into like what happened there necessarily, but what's the discourse been as as someone who has you know talked about this publicly? Like it, it's we get this. I feel like a couple times a year where it's usually you know jazz related, right? Of something's been said to a player at a game. I've heard plenty of stories from players over the years who have targeted Salt Lake City and Boston as the two places where you just hear some shit that is crazier than what you will hear elsewhere. And I found that, the to me, the weird response in this from either BYU alum or students or just supporters and just people in the state of Utah in general has just been like, we're not the only place with racism. So, like, what's the discourse at at this point of, of this incident? Yeah, that's uh, it's a great excuse, by the way. <laughs> it's, it's uh, I mean, anytime you can just be like, yeah, but everywhere. It's uh, it's what you want to hear. That's not the best deflection you could probably come up with. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, Utah has a reputation, right? And and not an undeserved one. For people who've never been to Utah, you know, it's like you've got Salt Lake City as the major population hub. To the north, you've got Ogden, where Weber State University is located. To the south, you've got Utah County. Provo is where BYU is located. Orem is where Utah Valley University is located. These are the major population centers in Utah and then like way down south in the state you've got St. George, Cedar City and in between you got a whole lot of farmland, got a whole lot of ranchers, got a whole lot of mining towns, places that you know are not industrialized, commercialized, modernized if you want to say it like like maybe that's harsh but very like kind of traditional conservative background people right and so it goes without saying, Utah is not the most diverse in terms of demographics. Uh, we have had a growing Hispanic population over the last couple of decades. There's a fair number of Pacific Islanders here as a result of, you know, missionary work from the LDS church. But to state with a ton of white people who've grown up in the Mormon church and who, frankly, live in something of a bubble, right? Who don't have a lot of interaction with people of color who don't understand why they might be uncomfortable in the state and not even like the overt act of racism, right? Like this Duke volleyball player is just straight up alleging 
the N-word was shouted at her during a volleyball match at BYU, right? So there's a police report. Police officer didn't hear anything. All these BYU fans, you know, because they haven't found the perpetrator, there was a guy banned, but it turns out like they've been able to kind of evaluate footage and see that it wasn't this guy who was yelling those things at, at the times they allegedly happened. And so the problem is, you know, as a result of that bubble, Utahns have have this tendency to be very insular and very kind of, they're worried about their national perception, right? Because of all of these stories, because of these years and decades of stories. And so the reaction in situations like this, unfortunately, tends to default to, well, that didn't happen. That stuff doesn't happen here. That's that's just people, you know, saying bad stuff about BYU again. That's people saying bad stuff about Mormons. That's people jumping to conclusions. There's no proof that this happened. And, you know, okay, there's not a video out there right now of someone yelling an N-word at this player, right? Okay, we can, we can agree on that. But the fact that so many people's reaction, default reaction, was to accuse her of being a liar, was to accuse her godmother who tweeted about this of being a liar, to go on her godmother's, you know, social media timeline and dig up anything questionable she said in the past and use that as, well, there's proof that she's just not trustworthy. Rather than, you know, defaulting to, there's a possibility that this happened and it's a horrible thing, right? Like Utah Jazz games have been kind of, you know, they've been in the national news the last few years because there have been several incidents in which fans had racial interactions with Russell Westbrook. Mm -hmm. And they're not yelling the N-word at him, but they're also saying things that they apparently don't realize might be offensive to a black person because they don't have any interactions with black people, right? And, you know, one of the guys who did this, who wound up getting banned from a jazz game, for yelling something at, at Russell Westbrook a few years ago, did an interview with a local TV station right afterwards in which he basically was like, well, yeah, you know, I didn't think I said anything bad. And they're coming after He filed a lawsuit against the Jazz and against Russell Westbrook. He did. He's, he sued for a lot of money, man. <laughs> yeah. We're getting banned, right? So this is, this is the environment we're doing. And I don't want to make Utah sound like it's this totally backwards place, right? Because population here has been growing. Salt Lake City is actually like one of the most supportive places to the LGBTQ community in the Western United States, right? Like Salt Lake City has a bigger pride parade than San Francisco does, right? So I don't want to give people the impression that it's like this total hick bill, right? There's a growing, you know, legion of of liberal people living in Salt Lake City. The problem is throughout a lot of the rest of the state and as a result of people's membership in the Mormon church, which, you know, didn't allow black people to hold the priesthood until 1978, which, you know, still teaches that on the BYU campus, they have an honor code where you can't publicly, you know, have a homosexual relationship. Right? Black people with you? Oh, no. Sorry. I'm um, <laughs> there are these things going on, and there are generations of people growing up in this environment, right? And, and it, yeah. it keeps going, and it keeps perpetuating. And we're getting more people... Who, who are, you know, trying to be voices of reason, who are trying to say, hey, you know, we can't continue to operate this way. But for now, you know, people at BYU, people in the Mormon community, which, you know, if you look at the history of the Mormon church, 
had to go from state to state to state because it's interesting, like the historical version of why they had to do that versus like the Utah version of why they had to do that. Everywhere they went, you know, they were just met by these unreasonable mobs of people who chased them out. You know, they, they kind of tend to leave out the why of why those mobs of people were unreasonable towards them. And so you wind up with an environment like this where a situation like this happens. And instead of taking a moment to say, maybe this actually did happen and what can we do to make it better? Like they just too often have the, the initial response to go, liar. They're making that up. She's trying to get attention. I don't know what her motivation is, but, you know, that didn't happen. Eric Walden, Utah jazz reporter for the Salt Lake City Tribune. Eric, thank you for joining Take Line. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, 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 good morning, good afternoon, good a- good evening. Have you had your uh, coffee yet? Are you feeling okay? Does your head hurt? Are your palms itching? Well, celebrate Brew Good Work Week with Crooked Coffee's first ever sale. Nothing gets us in the fall spirit like a good cup of coffee and a thick-ass turtleneck sweater. So Crooked Coffee is having a sale to help you make it through the shorter days and long to-do list we all have coming up. Now through Sunday, September 11th, never forget, at 11.59 p.m. Pacific, get free shipping when you spend 35 bucks or more with the code FUELUP. As always, every Crooked Coffee order supports Register Her, an organization working to register and activate millions of women across the country to vote. Head to crooked.com slash coffee and stock up on some delicious dark or medium roast while supplies last. That's crooked.com slash coffee. This is the U.S. only. Exclusions apply. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, Dan, we're just going to come in, you know, as hot as possible. Uh, you are a football expert. Yeah, sure. Eagles country, let's fly. Let's fly. All right, here we go. <laughs> uh, uh, J.C. Shazay is playing. Mm-hmm. And it, it's everybody's getting in the mood. It's the sailing, mm-hmm. in-sync remix. He's singing lead. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for some football? Not that watered-down preseason backwash with only 20 minutes of starters. I'm talking real regular season football. I'm going to have a heart attack. The Bears. The season starts this Thursday. The Rams won the title last year. Kenny Stills is doing ketamine. Mm. (laughs) Here to elaborate further, the host of a lovely podcast called Sorry We Love Football, Dan Hartigan. Welcome to Take Line, Dan. Hey, thanks for having me. Eagles country, let's fly. Eagles country, let's fly. 
You want to give it one word <laughs> just to be safe? Eagles country. Let's fly. That's good. That, that, some with a little fear. Let's do some with just a, just a little mm-hmm. bit of fear. I'm going to get yeah. scared. Yeah. Eagles country. Let's fly. Oh, that's good. I like yeah. That yeah. It, it sounds like you're about to pee your pants. Yeah. By a little bit. Yeah. My favorite thing about this interview is I get to ask Dan questions about football and mm-hmm. he can't lie to me. <laughs> you have I to get... tell me the truth because you're an expert. Okay. No lies. Let's go. Do you have any big takeaways from this preseason? We know the games aren't real. But was there anything that you saw in the preseason that felt like, oh, this is this is the tale of the regular season? You know what? I want to zoom out a little bit and uh, and look at the league from kind of a, from a wide-eyed view. Roger Goodell? More like Roger Good Guy. Oh. This guy has had Wait, a huge offseason. I think he's going to have an enormous <laughs> season. What he's in a contract year. What? The owners next season have to vote if he's going to remain as commissioner. This man... Signed off on the 11-game suspension of Deshaun Watson. He extended that suspension. It was initially six games. He suspended Dolphins owner Stephen Ross until mid-October. The guy can't even go to the team he owns facilities. How do you suspend the owner? I don't know, but he did it. And he's also coming for your owner, Jamel. Mm-hmm. Washington Commander's owner, Daniel Snyder. Mm-hmm. Please come quick. <laughs> Get him now. Holding the feet to the fire. We saw the Las Vegas Raiders implode last year. John Gruden. His ass is out of town. Roger Goodell means business right now. And I just want people to be on notice about this. Pay attention to Goodell this season. He also rigged the schedule, so we have a ton of revenge games. We have Russell Wilson Monday night going to Seattle. There's a ton of that this season. I'm all in on Roger Goodell. Dan, I, under, I, I guess I understand being a pro-Goodell podcast. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's a different, it's a different take than what we're used to um, so I you know there's a there's a certain amount of pioneering here that I I'm down for I don't know if one of those things is we put the Seahawks on Monday night football I don't know if that's gonna do it yeah. because I don't take a lot away from preseason unless someone gets hurt or it, it, you know I saw Trey Lance throw a bomb to a receiver who I, I can't remember at this point. And so I've just decided as a 49ers fan, I'm like, yep, that's good enough for me. He's a, he's, a, you know, he's the next Joe Montana. That'll work. Um, but in terms of the Seahawks, I don't think anybody wants to watch them play football this year. Right. I think their shelf life is one week, literally one week, which right? is, <laughs> which is what we're going to get. I will watch them one time this season. It'll be this Monday. How is Geno Smith still on the team? A bigger question why is uh, the coach still there? What's your boy name? Monarchs, big short pants. Uh, Pete Carroll? Carroll. Why, I hate why is Pete Carroll still there? Why won't he go home and go to bed? He has a, a boy-like energy. Every time you see some coverage of the Seahawks, he's, you know, slinging the football around or he's trying to be a part of a drill. I don't know if the players can't stand him or if he's just kind of a joke that unites everybody. Mm. He has pedigree. He's won in college. He's won in the professional leagues. So I don't know how much longer he can he can kind of just ride off that, though. So this is a make-or-break season for Pete Carroll as well. I mean, you got a ring. You blew the second one. Just go home. Yeah. Yeah. Did you think you're chewing your gum? You know, you get a gum sponsorship or something? <laughs> like, he loves to chew gum? Like, just go chew gum at yeah. home. Like, it's... Uh, let's keep it in the uh, NFC West. Mm-hmm. Zach, you mentioned you're a Niners fan. You oh, said Trey yeah. Lance out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of the biggest story that no one's talking about is Jimmy G not leaving. They're going mm-hmm. They're going quarterback by a committee. 
Trey Lance is the starter. Jimmy's still on the team. What do you think of the Niners' outlook this year, Dan? Um, you know, just to bring it to a pop culture level, as, as we're supposed to do here, uh, if you're following the Don't Worry Darling festival drama that's happening, uh, I see some comparisons. We see Chris Pine yeah. may or may not have been spit on by Harry Styles. This is a preview into the Niners quarterback room all season long. These guys can't stand each other. They're going to have to pretend like they love each other. They have plenty more festivals or games to play together. Uh, and I don't know who Olivia Wilde is in this scenario, Ooh. but I mean, I'll let you guys come to that. What I'm saying is Trent Williams. Yeah, sure. Just, ho- just, <laughs> Trent Williams. Just hopefully not Bosa, that piece of yeah, shit. No. Uh, just, yeah. The Niners have a history of doing this. They've done the Steve Young and Joe Montana thing before. I know these players are not that same caliber, but I do love that some teams are just cursed to repeat the past. And that is what I'm seeing right now. You're seeing two quarterbacks who can both play. Yeah. Jimmy G gets unnecessary hate. We don't know what Trey Lance is yet, but it's going to be exciting. And how do you feel as a fan, Zach? Uh, I, I, I will. I bristled at the unnecessary hate thing. Uh, he sucks, man. He's just, he's not like he's just not good. He's he's not bad actually. I shouldn't say he sucks. He's just not good. He's not a good football player. Like, and you're right. Like this is history repeating itself. Like they did it with Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick at one point. Like for some reason they just like to think. We got, we have one full quarterback between these two guys. Um, we will just wait for one of, I, I don't know if they're going to do like the Joker thing where like they break a pull cue. It's like, you guys decide who's the starting quarterback. I, I don't know if that's going to be it, but I wonder, you know, outside looking in, like I will eat up any Trey Lance propaganda I can find. I don't, I don't care how irrational it is. Like I want him to be good. I hadn't, when they made the trade for the number three pick, I had no idea who he was. I started watching North Dakota highlights and this dude was putting on a mixtape again in like the three games he played. Like I was all in on it. And yet Jimmy's still around. And I don't know why, like, does he have photos of Shanahan that he, that Shanahan doesn't want out there? Is Trey Lance just not good? For sure. He does. Like there's, there's something going on there where I look at that and I, I shouldn't be, yeah, I know they just won, but I shouldn't be jealous of like Matt Stafford being the quarterback of, like, the division rival at this point, right? That's that's not a life anyone should live. He definitely has photos. Every coach has photos they don't want out. By the way, that bum Matt Stafford threw a pick that Tart dropped. That should have been the – well, the 49ers probably weren't going to win that game. But they should have won that game. I don't want any of this Matt Stafford redemption Mm. bullshit. Dan, like, we got to – he's a fraud, right? Like, we can call him a fraud. I like calling him a fraud. I never yeah. bought in last season. I, I was at the game you're talking about. I couldn't oh, believe that Tart disgusting. dropped the pass or yeah, dropped the interception, yeah. changed everything. They would have won the game, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps the Super Bowl. <sighs> yeah, Niners fans, it's a cursed existence. I mean, I, you and Jamel, I think, have similar. It was cool when I was a kid. Yeah, we were so good when I was a kid. It made it so it's easy to root similar. for him. Like. It, it, no, being a it's Niners not similar. Is way cooler. 49ers has never been something. Yeah, where people oh, like, oh, man. I don't know if we can say the that The gold like, rush. <laughs> we can't mention the gold yeah, rush. Go- <laughs> <laughs> and plus, they get play. They have playoff wins in every decade. I don't think we have a playoff win in the 2010s. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You guys should have kept football teams. Of team course. Should. It, was yeah. so it was so much better. Uh, yeah. So it was much so better. great. RIP Chief Z. Our mascot was just a, a old black dude with a headdress on in like a leather jacket. He was pretty sick. Uh, I will not be mentioning the, the commanders further. 
Let's take it across the way <laughs> to the AFC West. The biggest reported quarterback move of the summer, Russell Wilson to the Broncos. Mm. Peyton Manning got a chip doing the same thing. Quarterbacks, they love that thin air. I've already seen footage of Russell Westbrook throwing fake footballs. We all love the Broncos country. Let's ride video mm-hmm. him in front of the towers. Iconic media. How you feeling about the Bronx this year? I mean, that, that division is the group of death. Stacked. As some would call it in real football. Can the Broncos even make the playoffs out of the West? I think absolutely. I love their skill position players. Russell Wilson obviously elevates that team just by being on the roster. I mean, as uh, hilarious as he is as a human being, he's uh, pretty clearly a, a great player. And it's just a perfect situation. I mean, they have the, a great running game and a one-two punch in Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. The receivers are great. I like Jerry Judy. We don't even know what he is yet. He could be just a stud. I mean, last year he had, what, Drew Locke throwing on the ball? Yeah, he was <laughs> catching balls from Drew Locke. And I think he, he got injured as well. Um, and then we have, what, Cortland Sutton. They, they, they have a really good team on paper. Their defense has always been great. They have an awesome home field advantage when right, wait, the team's good. On. Here's the real question. How did Russ convince Sierra to move to Denver? Good question. That's because you could start a megachurch there. You, you oh, could, they're going to start okay. their own megachurch. Um, if you've watched Real Housewives, Salt Lake City, I know that's dealing with maybe a different religion than they, yeah, yeah. Uh, they practice. Yeah, earlier about 30 minutes ago. We, for sure. Yeah. Uh, th- there's a lot of opportunity out there. It's God's country. Can't you just say that about any place that has a mountain, though? You can just call yes. it God's yeah. country. Like, yes, the you can. are God's country, right? <laughs> like, you can say anything you want when there's a mountain involved. Yes, you can. And he is going to take advantage of that. How about this for a transition? What about a mountain of some drama here with the mm-hmm. Baltimore Ravens mm-hmm. and this Lamar Jackson uh, situation? Uh, I don't like that Lamar Jackson is representing himself in these negotiations. Just go hire an agent. I get like 4% of hundreds of millions of dollars, a lot of money to give up, but 96% of hundreds of millions of dollars is a lot to get. And so maybe he just assumes I'm going to get it no matter what. But I'm a little concerned that this is going to head into like the Dak Prescott Cowboys situation of just like, we're just going to franchise him every single year. We're going to have this hanging over our heads every single year instead of like getting this done. Yeah. And I think it's, it's unfair because he is clearly established every, he's checked every box that you need. Yeah. to be the franchise quarterback. So I'm not sure what sort of game the, the front office is playing. I mean, they, Ozzie Newsom is he still there? He, he may have retired recently, but they've had one of the best run franchises for the past mm-hmm. 20, 30 years, ever since they came to fruition. And so they know how to do good business, but it's also why would you want any sort of disgruntled energy coming out of that locker room? I mean, the team loves Lamar Jackson. The city loves Lamar Jackson. What are you waiting for? I don't under like I, I don't know what he needs to prove here. We just talked about Russell Wilson. He just signed like a five year extension. He has never played a snap for the Broncos. Right. Well, you know how I go, man. When you're a black quarterback, the only way you get treated right in negotiations is if you won the Super Bowl already. They're looking at Lamar like, oh, well, you haven't won a Super Bowl. Well, no one has. It's, it's pretty hard to <laughs> it's just win. Tom it. Brady, like Tom Brady's got yeah. them all. Like, you, how yeah. can you win one? Yeah, but that's how they're going to carry him. 
Also, uh, shout out to Tom Brady for leaving Giselle. He chose football. He chose his teammates. Uh, you know, it is football season, so shout out Tom Brady. We have to question his decision making at this point, right? Like, <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> you know where I want to be? Tampa at 45 years old. Like, that's instead of with Giselle. He's heavily invested in the zoo down there. <laughs> that's what people is don't that know. The zoo business is yeah, just yeah. He's running popping, the zoo because yeah. everybody. You think it's GameStop? You think it's Robin Hood? Mm-mm. You think you think you're getting some penny stocks? No, the zoo. You know what's timeless? Animals. Mm-hmm. Well, until global warming and well, yeah. I mean, we're kind of taking care of that. Now. Yeah, until the yeah. until the whole shit ends up underwater. But until but then, that's why you got to get to a zoo now. Uh, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the Bucks because, like, all right, Brady's back. Is the NFC South a foregone conclusion? Are the Bucks just going to march out to 13 wins? I think Vegas has their over under at 11 wins this year. Mm. Seems like a lot for a guy who didn't play in the preseason at all. I'm I'm out on the Bucks this season. I think this is. Wow. I mean, I know they survived Antonio Brown uh, <laughs> a season ago, but this is just too much. I, it's too volatile. I, Brady is he going to miss week two, three, or four because he has a family? Issue. I mean, for him to be like, I'm 45, I have a lot going on. It's just a, a slap in the face to almost what the entire coaching staff. There are a lot of 45 year olds who work for the team who were <laughs> available to come to the office. Uh, so, and look, I'm not questioning Brady's work, work ethic. Obviously, he's, he's an insane person, just like any all time great. But I don't know. At some point, these things don't happen gradually when, uh, these older players fall off of a cliff. Like it's going to happen. Is he going to finish the season? Like what's going to happen first? Lamar gets a contract extension or Brady retires. Like I would like to see who comes out of that. I think Brady could retire before he gets that extension. Unfortunately for Ravens fans. Um, Trevor Lawrence had to, had to be coached by urban Meyer, which uh, either. (laughs) Unfortunate. Yeah. It's it, you know, that's an okay thing at the college level, you know, except for the whole murder thing. But, uh, but other than that, like there, Mm -hmm. there is like a, you know, it's good at the college level. I think we all recognize this was going to be a fraudulent thing at the NFL level, right? Like no one thought this was a good idea. And so as he goes into the year two, just being coached by not urban Meyer, like, I feel like I'm all in on the Jags. Not that they're going to be good, but just that they're going to be, like, more fun. They're going to be way more competent. They're going to be a team that probably wins. I don't know what their over-under is. I think it's, like, six and a half. So I think they can get seven, eight wins, like, out of nowhere. Etienne's just back. It, just, yeah, Etienne's back. Like, just because there's no Urban Meyer, I feel like that is a massive boost. So is this – it's not going to be a make or break for Trevor Lawrence in, like, year two, but do we, like – do you think there'll be people who are like really surprised by him this year? I'm going to quickly zag and say Urban Meyer did a fantastic job. Oh my God. Damn. Oh no. He made Jacksonville more relevant than they have we been. Brought, you're a, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Dan. Pro Goodell and I think Urban Meyer did a good job. Insiders have told me that their parting was mutual and it was a part of a bigger plan. Oh. <laughs> it's a 10 year plan. <laughs> To, to to get a lap dance in Columbus again? Like, what's the what's the plan? <laughs> Everyone wants a lap dance in Columbus. It takes more planning than you think. <laughs> but to be serious, yeah, I, th- I love Doug Peterson. Obviously, I'm, I'm an Eagles yeah. fan. Uh, there's a statue of him outside of our stadium. Looms large. I'm sure Nick Sirianni appreciates seeing that coming to work every day. But uh, Peterson's great. He was a, a professional quarterback himself. I think yeah. 
he and uh, Trevor Lawrence are going to have a great relationship. And like you guys are saying, like now they just had the worst possible season. Yeah. It's all house money at this point. It's just, it's a fresh start. There's the expectations of year one from Lawrence are gone. He's shaken off. Like, you know, it's tough to be a rookie in the NFL. So yeah, I'm with you. I actually think they could compete in like for like a wild card. The AFC South, as you know, Dan, is my favorite division in yes, all of football because it's just, it's Arkham Asylum. <laughs> <laughs> Anything goes. It's yeah. just madness. It really is. Yeah. And they got and we got Matt Ryan coming to Indianapolis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill on his way out in Tennessee. Uh, we'll see. Malik Willis. Malik Willis is going to start what, what week, would you say? Uh, mm. I'm, I'm going to say week five. Five came to mind. Wow. He's getting five weeks. I can't wait to see Malik Willis to Josh Gordon touchdown highlights. That is going to just make my life. <laughs> Jamel, uh, don't you have a relationship with Coach Vrabel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. hits me up every now and again. I got we um, we met at a uh, we met at a fighting mm. game tournament. We went to uh, CEO twenty twenty two. I seen him out there. He was playing King of Fighters. I don't want to say anything that would get anybody into any trouble here, but that literally sounds like an outlaw. <laughs> Like that doesn't sound like a real story. That sounds like an like an alibi for either, of you. maybe both of you. I don't know, but that just I like that didn't that didn't sound like it wouldn't be said in court. Let's change the subject. <laughs> mm. Fantasy football, Dan. You're a big fantasy guy. I know we got a lot of listeners joining a lot of mm. leagues that against mm-hmm. their will. It's about that time to give your coworkers. I got a draft tonight. I'm completely unprepared for. <laughs> you gotta give your coworkers a hundred dollars. Yep. And you're just gonna do it until you die. And so, who's your who's your big who's your big sleeper this year? Who's your who's your number one fantasy pick this year? Why is it still Derrick Henry? Talk fantasy mm. to us, Dan. Mariah Carey. Um. Well, he's not my number one pick, but I do think he's going to finish number one overall. That's Jalen Hurts. Wow. He's right here. Wow. He was he was kind of a sleeper last season. He's not under the radar anymore, but they have given him everything he needs to succeed, and he's going to. I, unless he's injured, uh, he's going to produce. His numbers are just going to get better from last year. I think he finished in the top five of all quarterbacks last year, and obviously quarterback is the highest scoring position. So he has a chance to genuinely finish number one in fantasy. Uh, I'd Jump on that Hertz train. All right. Let's just go division by division. You just tell me who's going to win the division and, and just a quick answer why. So let's go to the AFC East. Same time as these? Uzi's expert. <laughs> Dolphins. Whoa. Wow. Fins up. Whoa. I, I'm part of two and on. I, I'm a believer and it's fins up. All season long. Do it on so aggressive online. You can't say shit. They just, they're on you. It's nuts. They're on you. They're on you. Okay. Not the, I'm picking the Bills. Fuck that. Yeah, right. And that and that's your reason. It's just fuck that. That's your, yeah. That's, they have the best team. But, uh, you know, that's... Things happen. Shit happens. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, all right. Let's go AFC North. I like the Ravens. I think this is a Lamar Jackson balling the fuck out all season type season. Yeah. I really do. Ah, the Steelers. They just won't go what? away. Yeah, what? yeah. Yeah, I know. I just said something foul. You're here for you're here for for Kenny Wood. Like, what are you? I don't even know why I said it. Shout out to our guy Gowie. I'm so sorry I said that. I, it's honestly because I'm upset that I'm not from Baltimore. 
and I don't get to root for the Ravens. So I'm thinking okay. the Steelers. Yeah. Fully out of spite. Uh, shout out to my guy, Brady. Uh, I honestly yeah. respect that way. I have a, a, That's a great answer. I have yeah. a quick Steelers note. I think week 18, Ben Roethlisberger is going to unretire and lead the Steelers to the playoffs. Their opponent that day, the Browns. The most problematic oh. game of football ever played. Ever wow. played? Week 18. Holy. Yeah. Yeah. I hope to not watch a second of it. <laughs> Whenever Ben Roethlisberger ran or like tried to scramble the last three years, it, it just looked like someone had done stop motion animation with a potato. Like it just, it looked so, so uncomfortable. Uh, and fuck him. Uh, AFC mm-hmm. South. Who's winning the AFC South and why? Jamal, I'll let you take this one. Well, it's the Titans. Uh, we are the Titans. Now, is this a Vrabel? A v- Vrabel solidarity play, or is this? Yeah, okay. Absolutely. <laughs> Me and Mike Vrabel was together all night. For sure. That night. Sure. The night in question, yeah. I was yep. with Coach Mike Vrabel. Yep. Tell him, Mike. Oh, yeah, me and Jamel were together. Uh, he's a good guy, and uh, I almost had a heart attack. He took me to the hospital. I like that Coach Vrabel sounds like a super fan. Yeah. <laughs> but he's in Tennessee. That's fine. That's yeah. exactly how he sounds, because that was him. I'm picking the Titans. They re-signed Derrick Henry, which means they have faith that he's got another year. If he is mm-hmm. him still, then they are that Titans. I am going with the Colts, my favorite southern city, Indianapolis. <laughs> uh, Matt Ryan is just... The latest Band-Aid on the Andrew Luck retirement wound that is still so present and open. But they have a great team. I love their coach. I think they should have made the playoffs last year, and they improved in a lot of situations. And Michael Pittman, I think, is going to have a breakout season. So, And they got an easy-ass yeah. schedule. I'm yeah. not great with geography, but how is Indianapolis in the south and Baltimore's in the north? Like, it just doesn't, doesn't make a lot you gotta of love sense. It. To hey, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's in, uh, based on chicken mm-hmm. spots per capita, that's probably way That'd off. Way mm. off. Um, all right. AFC West. Who's winning it? This is the tough one. For me, it's the Chiefs. Uh, I know the Chargers have the hype train going, but it's Andy Reid. It's Patrick Mahomes. That's all I need to know. Yeah. It's like the Bills pick that you guys had. Fuck it. I mean, those guys. <laughs> it's Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. That's what I want. I'm going with the Raiders. Oh, my God. The Raiders. The Raiders are the only professional sports team that I outright hate. I just like I hate their fans. I hate whoever puts on that jersey. I hate whoever works at an organization. I worked for them for a year, the year they went to the Super Bowl against the Bucks, and I had to pretend to be a Raiders fan just to get the job. They quit. It was, and this is like a retail thing, a merchandising <laughs> retail thing. And they quizzed me on like the draft, so it was like I didn't know about like Philip Buchanan and all this crap. Like it, that was the job interview. It was awful. I was so happy they lost the Super Bowl. Got just annihilated. Listen, I live in Northeast Los Angeles. You have to, yeah, no, that's a, I gotta that's like a legitimate. the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, I have to like the Raiders to comfortably go to the store, and so I'm rocking. And they got uh, Devonte Adams. I used to like him. I hope I hope he's horrible now. I just <laughs> I guess David Carr's back is okay. Uh, all right, what about the NFC West? I'm going with your Niners. Okay, uh, again, I'll take any propaganda. Yeah, I think Shanahan just is the truth and they're just going to be that that run that unstoppable running team that they were when they made the Super Bowl mm-hmm. um, and then Trey Lance just is capable of making more plays than Jimmy Garoppolo so I know there's going to be a learning curve but if they can run the ball the way that I think we know they can uh, they'll be 
plays there for Trey Lance to make, and it's going to be really fun to watch. Jamel, you're not allowed to say the Niners if, if you're going to say the Raiders. So like you can't, no, you, no, because I'm going to say the Cardinals. <laughs> oh, Whoa! God. The Hard Knocks bump. I'm going to say the Cardinals. Yep, that's right. Carlin Murray is going to learn how to read plays, and, and everything's going to be quite all right. He's going to get a haircut eventually. <laughs> And he's going to be, his, you know what I mean? They're showing him, they're trying to teach him through yeah. Madden right now. And it's mm-hmm, kind right, of working. Yeah. Cardinals. I love that his punishment was you have to call plays this quarter in the preseason. <laughs> <laughs> what a great punishment. <laughs> All right. What about the NFC South? Who? I did say I was out on the Bucks, yeah. So it, it makes it a tough one. Um, I have a rooting interest in the Saints to be terrible because we hold their number one pick next season. We oh, being right, the Eagles. Yeah. So that leaves me with my curveball, which is the Marcus Mariota Falcons. How, how can they possibly be good? I'm, a du- I'm an Oregon Ducks fan. It was a tough weekend, but Marcus Mariota has always had a huge spot in my heart. And mm-hmm. I think it's going to have a, a fun run. And it's just, we're going to remember, like, he should be a starter in the league. And I'm not sure why he sat around for the past couple of seasons. As a backup. I believe a fun run is what everyone calls like a 5K <laughs> after Thanksgiving as well. So like that's that's what you want your quarterback to do is a fun run. Oh yeah, Jamel, Jamel, what's, what's your NFC South pick? Shout out to Cordell Patterson, but I'm taking the Panthers. Wow, <laughs> Baker <laughs> Mayfield, the Baker yeah. and the boys are going to turn it up. Sir Purr, yeah, Sir Purr and Robbie Anderson are going to have a, a team mm-hmm. uh, a touchdown dance, mm-hmm. and it's going to take TikTok by storm. Mm-hmm. Panthers, baby, when you least expect it. NFC North, which houses the Detroit Lions, which their hard knocks has made me believe that Deuce Staley is the worst coach in professional sports history. Um, <laughs> no offense to Deuce Staley, the player, but Deuce Staley, the coach, ye- literally yelled at a running back for scoring a touchdown because he broke off the play that he was supposed to run. And I just don't think that that's Lions football that's going to win. But what did you pick for the NFC North? Um, yeah, the, the hard knocks thing is tough because the, the Lions are the Eagles' week one opponent. So all of America is rooting for Detroit now. Or I think so. At least my wife is, which is uh, which is terrible in my household. But <laughs> I, I'm picking the Packers. Every season they've gone 13 and three. Right. I don't see why that changes. I guess they can go 14 and three now, but. Well, because they're going to go right. 13 and 13 four. 13 four is fine. That'll get it done. I know everybody's gassing up the Vikings. I'm still out on Kirk Cousins. I I, I can't yeah. I can't do the Kirk Cousins thing, but uh, enjoy that. I love Justin Jefferson. Have fun. I'm going with the pack too. You know how I feel about Perp Cousins. He can literally eat my shorts. <laughs> go pack, though. All right, last one: the NFC East. Jamel, I'll have you go first with the NFC East. I pick the Giants every year. I'm doing it again. Giants. <laughs> do you have uh, any reasons other than you just pick them every year? Because I hate myself. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm picking the Giants. Because I don't, I don't believe in anything. Dan? Uh, I'm picking Philly, even though it's so uncomfortable to be a favorite and to th- have uh, mm-hmm. national pundits think that your team is good. It, it sucks. You want to be the under-the-radar team that surprises people. And now we have expectations. People think this team's going to be good. I agree. But, uh, you know, we lose to the Lions week one. Uh, the sky will be falling. <laughs> Isn't that the perfect cover, though? You lose the Lions week one. Now all the expectations are gone, and then you can kind of build up slowly through the rest of the year. And, I mean, you're, you're, <laughs> you're going against yeah. Mike McCarthy. Like, like Mike McCarthy's not going to coach anybody to yeah, anything. 
Yeah, no, he's just gonna watch Austin Powers again. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> Just gonna find more more topical uh, reasons there to uh, connect with this team. I'm picking the Jets. The Jets are gonna get traded to the a- NFC East. <laughs> yeah, and they are gonna win the division. That's my I like that idea. Winner. I like that idea. Well, Dan, you've spoken to us for an <laughs> amount of time. Where can the people find you? Uh, Jamel and I uh, do a show called Sorry We Love Football. We put it out every week. Uh, find me there. That's all I have to plug. It's football season. There's nothing else going on in my life. You can find him in St. Louis rolling on dubs. I'll be there under the arch. Meet me. Dan Hardigan, folks. Thanks for, thanks thanks for, for having joining me. us. That's it for us. Thanks for hanging out. Jason will be back next week when he's not hiding his Quentin Grimes jerseys away from the state of Utah. Make sure you follow and subscribe to Take Line on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcasts. And, of course, check out Jason's pop culture and entertainment podcast. X-Ray comes out every single Friday. Check it out. He's out. Take Line is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Ryan Wallerson and Zuri Irvin. Our executive producers are myself and Sandy Gerard. Engineering, editing, and sound design by the great Sarah Dibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. And our theme music is produced by Brian Vasquez. Mia Kelman is on the Zoom for vibes, and the vibes are fantastic all the time. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.